Songpo, this is Nam Gizam, and you're listening to Hello from Bhutan. Today on my podcast, I speak to somebody in quarantine. He is a former member of parliament and is now a researcher. Sangye Kandu shares his experience very candidly with me on the podcast. We are hoping that this conversation helps those of you in quarantine and also helps those of us outside to empathize with all of our fellow Bhutanese who are in quarantine at this point. How are you? Are you okay, la? Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Um, yeah, it's, you know, things change once you have the test. I think until the point you have a test, things are quite different. I see. That's one there, yeah. Second thing is, I think, also the background, no? because a lot of us who are in the quarantine, especially the lot that's come much later, mm. including the lot I, I am for it, uh, we got out in the last moment, no? Mm. The routes were closed, and then suddenly the routes reopened, and that's when the some big group of us came in, no? Last minute. I see. So I think that that anxiety already developed, not being able to come back. And then now being here, and then it was a 14-day period now extended to 21. So that whole thing, I think it, people are experiencing it very differently. Yeah, for me, it's a little different because I fell ill, and then um, I, they took me to the hospital. And um, I think for me, it was my health wasn't, you know, it was starting to get weak because I was stuck in London for a long time. You know, that takes toll, no? not able to eat properly. Even before we start with the quarantine, no? a lot of us, we actually come back. We come back at a time when the routes just reopen. And you know, by then, we've been struggling to get back for quite some time. So there's this build up, no? And, and yeah, then you fly in. And although you feel relaxed, you're back home. Mm. And I think people are anxious, the family members. And you have this idea that you'll be here for two weeks and then it gets of course extended to 21 days which is i suppose good so but now i think being back home and you know being in quarantine is very different from being stuck outside and mm-hmm. not being able to come back mm-hmm. so that that that's a big difference there so for me when i'm here i'm thinking about other people who are stuck outside who've not been able to come back because that's a very bad uh, experience uh, when you're stuck outside and you know things are getting really bad around the place you are I mean, you left UK just, I mean, reading the stories that come out in the media, they're saying half of the population in the UK would be carrying the coronavirus anyway. Yeah, and, you know, it doesn't help when the news is so dark and grey. In London, my almost third week into my stay there, my second week had just finished. Mm -hmm. Up then, things were okay, you know, I was going to my workplace, doing things, getting around. And then the problem starts and the university shuts down and everything starts shutting down. Then, uh, of course, everybody's asked to you know, do the social distancing. And so you're really expected to come out only for exercise and your grocery or your medicine. There to get your food, you have to line up outside the store. You have to keep the gap. Right. And to get like a loaf of bread or some jam and eggs and some, some fruits or vegetables, you have to wait for five, six hours. And that lasts you for three, four meals, and then you have to come out. Right. Rest of the time, you're all in your room, cooped up. You know, you can't see mountains or fresh sunlight, anything like that. <laughs> so and for about two weeks, stuck like that, Gosh. not being able to come back. The routes were closed up. One by one, the routes closed up. Uh, uh, and you just couldn't do anything about it because to get there was very complicated. I mean, Thailand was the last option, but that was so difficult because you had to buy insurance, which... <laughs> was not being sold in the UK. <laughs> God, <laughs> yeah. stressful, so very that, stressful for you. Yeah, it, it was a very bad experience. And I'm thinking a lot of other people would have had similar sort of problems more. Right. And then you finally get to come in. As soon as you arrive, you sort of feel good. You're back mm. home. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe the third day, 
start setting in that you're going to be stuck in a quarantine for a long time, <laughs> then I think people start thinking about you start forgetting about where you came from, and then you start thinking about I'm so I'm so near to my family I can't meet them. Right. But also I think there's another group of people who are who don't live in Timpu whose family members are away. So for them I think it's just talking on the phone. For someone like me who's from around here, you have your family members dropping off uh, meals for you. I mean you can't really see each other, but. You still have, you know, home cooking meal coming in. That's right. really helpful. How do you try and stay positive, having experienced such challenging times, mm-hmm. and also experiencing something that I neither you or I had ever imagined that we would find you in a position like this, experiencing a quarantine? Um, how do you stay positive? How do you keep motivating yourself onto the next day? I, I think the. Um, it's very important to, you know, I've heard you and so many, uh, you know, so many of your programs on the mental health program, you know, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of times we take it for granted because we've seen it there. We've talked about people falling into depression, falling out of depression, needing help, mm-hmm. all of that. Mm-hmm. And this is something very vague and, you know, very uh, abstract for us because you talk about substance abuse, people who've experienced trauma. It's something like that, you know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's something distant. You normally don't think it's such a big deal. Well, happened to you, the, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But when you this episode or this event that the whole world is experiencing, mm-hmm. it's it's so close to you that you start feeling the impact of the importance of mental health. Because I I never realized, you know, not being happy, being unhappy, being so worried can slowly start affecting your appetite. And then once your appetite starts going down, then you can feel your body move weak. Mm-hmm. And the worrying part is when you grow weak, you realize if you do get the virus, then you're more vulnerable, no? Mm-hmm. Right. The healthier and the fitter you are, the less complications you have, even if you do get infected. The weaker you are, if you do get infected, there's a higher risk of, you know, a complication. And therefore, that again puts you in a very difficult position. Mm-hmm. So personally, what I've tried to do and what family members and things have, family members, especially the parents, there is, uh, you know, say prayers. Um, and I think when you watch uh, Chap DJ Kim, especially when we saw His Majesty on the you know, address, I think that that for the moment gives you confidence, you know. Mm-hmm. And seeing J. Kim will talk about uh, mental health in a way, uh, that helps too. So the prayers, I think definitely that helps a lot because you realize that there's nothing you can do about it. So therefore you just go back into, you know, meditation and trying to calm yourself down. And I think one very useful or practical or helpful thing was pray, saying prayers. Saying prayers helped calm me down. I still do that. So I wake up around uh, 7.38 and then I start saying prayers for about an hour and a half. Because usually you'd say about half an hour very quick and then you get onto your routine. No? But in a quarantine, you have a whole 24 hours and you know there are only certain things you can do. And so even the prayer session, you pull it as much as you can. So instead of making the 20 to 30 minute usual prayer, track it as much as you can. So I take about an hour and a half to say my prayers. That fills up a good portion of the day in the morning. After that, I also do some breathing exercises. Because I think it has a lot of relation with health again. But more importantly, because in the quarantine, at least the place we are, we are not allowed to open our windows. Uh, we are not allowed to step outside the door. We are not allowed to open our balcony doors. So it's it's just really inside the confines of the room. Oh wow! Okay. So you, not, yeah, no, you can open windows. You, okay. Yeah, you're not allowed. So okay. you look out, you see the wind blowing, the trees, leaves are shaking, but you you want to whiff of that, but you can't really open your windows. So. Yeah, you sit in front of the window and imagine you're 
pulling you for sure you just breathe. <laughs> that's something i do yeah oh, this makes me so sad i just feel i mean for all of us who are on the outside you know when we hear oh you're in quarantine then you think oh you don't have much to complain about you're like you know you have like three star hotel treatment and i hear you saying oh you hear the you see the wind outside and i can't open my window to feel it and i feel really sad about that it's not that people in the quarantine do not appreciate what the government has done i mean firstly i think even before talking about the facility, the fact that the government acted very swiftly uh, in time and, you know, uh, brought, even though it's so expensive, mobilized everything to make sure there's a quarantine. And that means for each and every one of us, we know our family is safe. And I think that is a, that is a very, very important um, takeaway for all of us, even though we're in the quarantine. We know that's what's keeping our family members safe, right? And on the facilities, I think the government is doing the best it can. And anywhere in the world, probably no one would be doing this this much. And I think that appreciation is there. But I think from the an hour to hour, the day-to-day time that we spend, there are certain things that I suppose there's not much they can do, but this is what we experience. And this is just sharing what it is, right? It's also important to keep physically fit because when you're doing something, your mind also gets distracted from unnecessary things or things which do not help you. So uh, I was just talking to, because we have this WeChat group within the quarantine. Quarantine management team will share information, updates, and if you want certain help, we could write to them and they'll respond to us in there. Okay, nice. And so uh, so we have time-to-time conversations there. And there, so some people would share, uh, it's like, I want to do something, can I do this? So do's and don'ts, we would discuss there. So that that opens up a channel of discussion there. I see. So that that's also useful and helpful. Um, yes. There was a list of twenty-one phrases mm-hmm. in English, and each of this was actually describing one of the one of the towns or zonkaks in the country. So we had to guess the name of the place. So this was a quiz we did in a group. Uh, so that was you know just an example of something we do to occupy ourselves. Who's the main coordinator in the group? The WeChat group. Is it health? Uh, so there are about three or four of them. So there's a health key person, Mindra. Okay. Let's... But there's, there are also Desums who are there. So three, four of them, they take turns to do things there. So that's that's how they run that. Um, besides that, we have television, uh, cable television. Mm-hmm. And there is also Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. And just about two days ago, they started sharing uh, the PDF in the group. Yeah, so that is also useful. Uh, having the television is also useful. Mm-hmm. The Wi-Fi is definitely useful. Um, and in the rooms, we have water kettle. You can heat up water and have tea, and there's provision for tea and coffee. And whenever you run out, you put it in a group and they deliver it, deliver it to you. So it, when you talk about delivery, that's interesting because Kwani, they try and reduce interaction or movement in the building as, as much as possible. So they come up to deliver food and meal, snack. So that's the only time when they actually come up. Otherwise, the rest of the time, we don't hear anybody. Uh, all the doors are locked, so uh, these guys live in the, on the ground floor. And so, if you have family members or friends or relatives who want to, de- you know, have who want to send meal to you or some books or anything like that, so they'll normally come in and deliver it at the reception. Okay. And the reception people will keep it down there and have it delivered to us three times in a day. This is for the breakfast time, lunch time, and the dinner time. I see. Less. Yeah, so, do they do they yeah. come inside your rooms or do they leave it outside no, your no. door? So so they leave it outside the door and ring a bell and uh, we go and then by the time they won't be there, so we just pick up whatever stuff outside our door and close the door again. 
it's just it's, so it's just... not it's not normal that you get to see other person. Right. But uh, in this building, there are about fifty rooms. Less. And I'm told there are eighty plus of us here. Less. So it seems like some of the people who've come together from the same place, because the risk of infection is minimum because they're coming from the same place anyway. Right. So some of them actually sharing rooms, and there are I think couples who are also sharing rooms. Less. So other than a few of them, most of us are single occupants. Less. Which means we don't get to see other people. So. But when you look out from the window, you do get to see some people when walking on the road, uh, driving the car. In front of me, there's a construction site, so I can see some laborers working there. So in the daytime, sometimes looking out from there is nice. <laughs> but 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 such a I mean who would have expected that we'd be experiencing something like this at this point in time? I mean you yourself, right? To think just yeah, just yeah. imagine yourself like two <laughs> months ago and. You in this situation now, you know, and then thinking, okay, I have like one more day. It almost feels like uh, Tom Hanks, <laughs> right? I guess, you know, the seriousness of this sinking very slowly. I mean, uh, even when things were going wrong in the UK, like I said, you know, up to the weekend, everything was okay. There was people on the road, people eating in the restaurants, you know, and then it's just Sunday and then things lock down and, and then you step out and... It's almost like uh, out of a movie, no? Mm. Nobody's there on the road. And suddenly it feels very, uh, I don't know, it feels weird. and It, it feels so uh, unreal, I suppose, in a way. You don't expect it to suddenly just come to a halt, no? And I think what's worse is because you're locked in and your interaction is so minimal and you turn on the TV because that's one form of information and almost all the channels start showing very scary stuff about... Um, that many people having died, this infection, this place people die, you know. And then, then you turn to your phone, Facebook starts popping up the same information. Here, yeah, that many people died, this many, suddenly a young person died. Because initial idea was only the old and people with underlying conditions are vulnerable, right? Right. Then yes. suddenly the social media starts posting a 21-year-old died, a 35-year-old with right. no health condition died. And that makes matters worse. And I think all of that, once it builds up over a period of time, uh, your mind is continually so blocked inside that you almost feel like you're actually infected. Like you get a cough, you think, you, you, you think you're infected. Mm-hmm. You get a headache, you start thinking you've got an infection. Mm-hmm. And I think that makes your health weak. And precisely, I think mental health is about that. I think. And then I think uh, if you're not in touch with a real person face-to-face, I think you do need to understand that now, remember? Mm-hmm. You, know, you take it so much for granted because you think you have people around, you don't really need people. But when you're not really meeting people face-to-face, the interaction is not there, then you start feeling like, feeling the absence of that interaction. Mm-hmm. So this is what probably as somebody who's in quarantine feels today because I'm here in my own room. I have almost everything I need, but that human interaction is missing and that I think sometimes makes you very anxious. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, so that's when uh, I think praying and exercising helps. Mm-hmm. So I pace around my room. I pace around for about 30 minutes uh, from the door to the window and back. About 30 minutes, I try and do that to make sure I'm, you know, physically okay. So besides praying and uh, staying physically fit, um, your main source of emotional support would definitely be your family. And that's happening yes. online, besides food being dropped in, of course, um, online. Yes, how, yes, yes. So how often do you so talk I, to your family? I talk with them. I, you know, we reach out, we uh, see, see each other. So video calls uh, very frequently. Mm-hmm. So in a day, I'll talk to all my family members and mm-hmm. and sometimes even my friends. We have group discussion, group chat on Facebook even. Uh, the friends were outside and some of my friends were in other quarantines. So we, yeah, so we catch up and 
uh, we try and you know have a normal conversation like everything is okay mm-hmm. that helps uh, but for me i think just being home itself that's given me a lot of uh, strength that i'm back home mm-hmm. so that's that's uh, really important but also i think a uh, lot of people also keep telling us why well, this is the right time for you to do prayers and you know uh, accumulate merit <laughs> 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 right without any distractions but I, yeah I just, without any distractions yeah it's just like for me to um because i do have um some other friends in quarantine but they are co-sharing um so yeah. i think it's um it's less lonely that way because they came from the same uh same place but then to to yeah. just be by yourself and then you're almost like in retreats so i was actually talking to some uh monks that i know some Leviudins and and i was saying wow this is what you do actually you know and we are also yeah. practicing yeah. this and yeah it's a really good time to practice it's what being yeah. in retreat is like you know la. Yeah, I, I think so for like you know when you talk about long doing the three-year retreats mm. i i it, it's we often think it's just giving up the worldly pleasures of you know comfort of your bed and many other things but really i think at the core of it is learning to really disconnect you know to have to have to let go of this connection that we can't live without it seems or we so need, no, to feel mm-hmm. normal. Uh, because I think we can almost live with, with, with the minimal things that we have, but we need to have, need to go out, need to be able to physically hug somebody, to have a normal conversation, to be able to see other people face-to-face, no, mm-hmm. as part of a community. Right. But to be in a quarantine, I start imagining about how it is to be retreat, which is even further away, uh, with, with even lesser things to distract their mind with no wi-fi thing, not to be distracted yeah right no wi-fi mm-hmm. no phone calls no television no no reading uh unnecessary stuff i don't know you can't even look out the window and look at construction site because it's in a gamba somewhere <laughs> right so yeah i think that's where i think uh what the team achieved there is that control over your mind no as they say mm-hmm. because the more you panic the worse it becomes in there this this episode it stopped me that the, the the more worried you get, the less you sleep, the less you eat. And it's a, it's a cycle. Mm. It starts feeding into the other and all the negativity comes in. And then it's almost like your stomach is, your stomach muscles are so stiff. From the anxiety. You can almost feel it, yeah. Right. And you can almost feel like something's tingling when you're, you know, your limbs are always tingling. Um, your chest feels very heavy. Your neck becomes very stiff. And it's, it's, it just starts building and it becomes worse. But since I've come back, these things have become much better. Yes, that's yeah. good to hear. Uh, we actually, um, Dr. Sancho now, because uh, we were trying to reach out to people via Mind of a Matter Bhutan, um, Dr. Sancho yeah. is now leading the National Mental Health and so mm-hmm. Psychosocial Response Team. Um, he's going to be on BBS tonight. I don't know if you saw that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, so, I thought that was a great initiative because less. a lot of people would actually benefit a lot from that. You, you sort of go into a very dark place and I think, especially for people who are, who want to come back but are stuck outside i think for them this is the this is this is a very crucial time if there is such help no because mm. uh, they can't come here the place they were staying at things look very alien because i think when you're in really in a very dark spot you're looking for anything that is familiar no and when you're in a place not very familiar with you look start looking for familiarity you think of home you can't get go get there and then things just start getting bad start falling and I think that's where if you have support, people explain what you're experiencing, this, this is what helped you. I think that would be very useful for not just the people who are stuck there, but members of family members who have their loved ones already mm. there. No? Right. And I think uh, that yes. would be very useful. I'm that's thinking cool. of a lot of students who haven't come back yet and a lot of other putties also working outside who have not been um, able to come back. 
because of lockdowns yeah, everywhere yeah. and thinking of their situation. And I can empathize somewhat with what you experienced in the UK because I was in the thick of it. We're talking to students in India because they wanted to yeah. come back and there were thousands of them still in India. There is, I think, concerted effort being made. We're also putting out a mental health column tomorrow in Quinzel um, related to this. Right. Even the government has taken the mental health situation very seriously. I really want to thank you for um, sharing your experience with all of us today. And it's just made it so real, I think, for so many of us who are outside. And especially for me now, like when I post, because I have tried not to post a lot of frightening things for the last couple of days, but I did post one. Because sometimes we tend to forget about you guys in quarantine and think about the people outside who are so careless, who are doing all of these group activities together, and then you want to frighten them into staying at home. But, uh, but I, will, I will remember all of you <laughs> the next time I post. <laughs> so, uh, but, well, I, yes, I, I, something, something I wanted to share with you before yes. I forget yes, sir. Uh, is the, uh, the numbers that the, um, you know, the mental health support is actually sharing, I think that's a wonderful idea. Nice. But I'm just thinking, you know, for people who are outside, how accessible that would be because, you know, if you have Skype or Facebook or mm-hmm. WhatsApp, Mm-hmm. It's it's easier for them to dial up and talk to somebody. Right. But if it's a phone number, it may be the expenditure again, which is a difficulty. Secondly, I think if if there are people who are living in continents with time difference, you know, somebody when I was in the UK uh, around midnight, I you know get a panic. Um, it, it's difficult to call anybody because you start thinking about the time difference. Right. La. But if you have a counselor who you can call up, but, you know, irrespective of what time somebody is going to be there to respond to your call, right, when you really need to, I think that that would really help uh, calm that person down for, for that time, you know, right, and especially when it's midnight and you know, he or she's all alone. But if you have a group of friends around, that would still be helpful. I mean, they support each other. But yes. really, I think when you're all alone, that's really horrible. I mean, for me, it was uh, one time it was, yeah, I wasn't... Yeah, it was really bad. My brothers were worried. Nice. They reached out to some friends. And so they had, there's this Nachigiani Bhutan Yogi friendship society. Nice. And from there, all of them started emailing me, connecting me on WhatsApp. They were worried for me. Nice. That's very nice. But there's one particular lady who works with this group and she sent me uh, so the next year I got a pass <laughs> right. in all of this darkness. you know, uh, that, that was such a you know, uplifting moment uh, to know that, you know, you're not all alone. Uh, There are people who, you know, still, there are people who are connected to you and therefore, you know, you're not entirely alone, you know. So even that small gesture, I mean, you know, normally you get a parcel, it's fine, it's nice, yeah. Mm -hmm. But that was like a lifeline thrown to you, so... (laughs) If you think about the US, if you think about Australia, if you think about UK, we have these friendship associations um, that reach out and then we have our own Putinese associations. But what if you're the lone Putinese in a country like Azerbaijan, then who do you reach out to? So, yes, so that this, must be very difficult for him. Right? Exactly. So now I'm just thinking, hmm, so I have to do a lot of work and then compile a list of either mental health apps or mental health uh, toll-free lines that I can share publicly so it will help other Putinese even with the different yeah, yeah, time zones yeah. that they can speak to other professionals as well. So I'll keep yeah. that in mind. I think that's a really good suggestion. Through your sharing of experience, it's it's enlightened me somewhat to the kind of, for instance, for us being outside, we think, oh, in quarantine, you think about your home and people you're with. And, you know, for me, I never thought you could not open your window, but I mean, I can understand why, right? Because, <laughs> yeah. so then for me, yeah. it's like, I can't breathe then because I really need a lot of air. Every morning I wake mm. up, I have to open my windows and my door 
and I have to feel the air. So then, then I feel so, wow, like it's very restrictive. Then I was thinking, wow, it would really take a toll on my mental health. Um, mm. I'm, I'm so, uh, I also appreciate the fact that you've been so honest with your experience, all of the stress mm. and the anxiety and you sharing it, I hope will help somebody else also know that they're not alone in this experience. And just to make you feel better, there's a youth group. Um, they are actually trying to get people to make postcards for people like you. So basically, thank you for being our heroes and staying in quarantine and keeping all of us safe. I think that's the message that they want to send to people like yourself. And I am supposed to, I just remembered that I'm supposed to share that to my Facebook page. So I will do that as soon as we are done talking. All right. Thank you, Take care of your mental health as well as you're taking care of your physical health. Now. All right. We now have a national mental health response team led by our Mind of Amanda Bhutan psychiatrist, Dr. Tenjo Doji. There are phone lines available for you to call. You can call the toll-free line 2121 or you can call the mobile numbers 1712-3237 or 1712-3238 one seven one two three two three nine one seven one two three two four nine one seven one two three two four one all of these numbers are available on our mind of a matter Bhutan page it's also available on the page of um, the health ministry do call two one two one to reach out for help or any of the mobile numbers um, that have been listed on both mind of a matter Bhutan as well as health ministry's page you can write to us on Mind of Amata Patan. We have psychologists, counselors, and psychiatrists who will be able to respond to you. We are also on Instagram if you're not on Facebook, and we do forward your messages. Our confidentiality is maintained, so you do not have to worry about your identity being disclosed. Do reach out to us for help. Do follow our page. for. Uh, we are going to share a lot more positive things now um, because of what I've discovered after speaking to uh, former MP Sangi Kandu and hoping that um, we can add a bit of positivity to the lives of people who are in quarantine at this point. I thank you for listening to the podcast. I would really like to extend um, appreciation towards uh, former MP Sangi Kandu for being so candid um, and for really opening up uh, to me on my podcast so that all of you could hear what he had to share. Please do reach out for help. You're not alone in this. Uh, Mind of Amata Patan is here for you, as is the health ministry and so many doctors and all of us um, who are outside. So do take care, do stay safe, and we will see you when you come out. We will definitely see you on the other side. Mm-hmm.